Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My producer, Marcus. And what's up, Deb Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, no guest today. We finally have a three-man booth. It's been a little while. Uh, so I'm going to be expecting you guys to just be unbelievably funny. I mean, I'm talking like <laughs> next level break a microphone funny. You ready. ready to accept that? We're ready. Yeah, all of my jokes, though, are now about the Marriott and the Miami Heat, so I hope you're cool with that, because I learned a lot. Shout out. I'm not going to call you Wes. Also, I appreciate neither of you pointing out that humor cannot, in fact, break a microphone. That would have been awkward had you uh, had you show that off, so it is what it is. Boys, we are going to be doing part two of a three-part prediction series podcast today, but before we jump into those predictions, I got a quick off-the-court report, and it's a random one, and I apologize for it. Really, this is just me getting something off my chest. And normally, off the court, we focus on what the players do, but this one actually focuses on one of my experiences. So last week, Maxime and I, in fact, went to that burger uh, Los Angeles Lakers game, and we show up. And I I knew it wasn't going to be close, right? I mean, I, I knew it was going to be an ass-kicking. It is what it is. And they didn't disappoint. We show up, and by the end of... Well, that's not fair. Throughout the first and the second quarter, it was kind of close. And then by the end of the fourth quarter, it got really ugly. But because it was close in the first and the second, it allowed for back and forth with Laker fan in a way that I was not anticipating. I kind of thought we would just show up and not care, you know, watch a few uh, quarters, get out of there with, I don't know, five, six minutes left in the fourth, and then just be happy to have had the experience. But it's tied going into the second quarter. And so suddenly I find myself engaging with Laker fan. And Every time they do something well, Lakers do something well, I'm now screaming at them, this is our G League team, this means nothing, act like you've been here before, these kind of things. And so I finally get the dude in front of me's attention. I've screamed enough where he is hearing me and he turns around and we have a couple of back and forth. And then he asks me, how many championships have we won? Talking about the Lakers. And I immediately answer back, well... In this decade, zero. And there's a couple of seconds of pause where I'm feeling hell of smart. And he says, this decade just started, genius. <laughs> I have been furious at that fucking guy for It's been like 10 days now, dude. And like, I, I, I wish I had something I could say to suddenly prove him wrong. Decade could mean 10 years, could mean all these things. But... I think he was right. So, sir, if you're listening to this, you were right. Also, I hate you. I hate your stupid Laker face. And I'll never get over this. It just is what it is. Maxime, you watched the back and forth. Were you kind of embarrassed for me when that happened? Uh, yeah, it was It was a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was... I, listen, actually, no, I wasn't. And the thing is, is I was pissed, too. And I'm like, ah, oh, I, I wish I could come up with a comeback right now. So I was feeling very flustered. It wasn't a great situation for me. Well, here's my comeback. Decade means 10 years, and they have not won a title in the last 10 years. <laughs> so I still feel somewhat justified. Now I'm sweating again. Let's just move on <laughs> quickly. But the, there was another thing that happened within that game, and I need your guys' take on it. So... 
there were some vociferous fans. And at one point, two fans about three rows ahead of us had been standing, I don't know, 10 minutes straight, a long enough period of time. And going into the second quarter, they got the attention of some of the other people who were sitting behind them who could no longer see. And we had this scenario where people were asking, some fans were asking other fans to sit down. Not something that you saw at Oracle too frequently. I imagine it's something that happens at Chase a lot. Which leads to this question. Is that ever justified? I have this view of fandom where we're supposed to just be balls to the wall. We're just, you know, every second we can, we are standing and we're rooting for these guys. So let's start there. Is it ever justified to ask another fan at a game to sit down in the seat they've paid uh, to, to occupy? For me, it is, but only in the right context. Like if I have a young person with me, like if I brought my niece with me or somebody who is under five feet tall and they can't see the game, then I would ask for that reason. Um, And I also think the location matters. I think if you're in Oracle, you don't get to say that. I think in the new Chase Center, it's a different type of fan base. I think, you know, there's a little more leeway. But at the end of the day, if you paid for that seat, you get to do what you want in that space. So, I don't think you have a right to say it, but I think it's common courtesy if the people behind you can't see because of, you know, their age or whatever reason. Circumstances is everything, right? Stakes matter. This is a finals game. If it's a playoff game at all, no, no. They, I don't. I don't care if I brought a four-year-old midget with me who can't see. Like you, that person is allowed to stand for every damn second because the team needs it. If we're talking preseason game that means absolutely nothing, and this guy has stood up for three straight quarters, you know, yeah, maybe a little tap on the shoulder, and you know, look, I love the team too, but my kid can't see. Would you mind giving us a couple of seconds? So I, I think there's kind of a sliding scale. Right. right. How much does the game matter? You know, versus is your support really? commensurate with how much this game matters. Yeah, I'll give you an analogy. If you're going to a music concert and there's somebody that's standing up boogieing down, I think that's their right to do that. And in fact, if you're not, you can't say, hey, could you sit down? Because they're clearly uh, more engaged in the experience than you are. And I feel like it's the same thing. It's like, if it's Stevie Wonder and that shit's cooking, like, that's rude to say sit down. Yep. You ought to be standing up. So if it's like the Warriors and they're in the finals and you tell somebody to sit down, like, nah, like that game is too good for you to have to, for you to want to sit. Well, and what you are pointing out is that ostensibly the reason we are at those places, the reason I'm at a concert is to dance and enjoy the music. The reason I am at a game is to stand and support the team. Yep. The reason I'm at a restaurant is to eat. Telling a fan to sit down during a game could be like going to a patron at a restaurant and be like, you need to stop eating. That's preposterous. <laughs> right. That's why I am here, sir. Yes. What the hell are you talking about? So I, I, I think that there's a position on either side. And they, they got angry. Um, like that back and forth definitely got heated. And actually the guys who were standing to their credit as they left confronted the fans who gave them crap. And they said that never would have happened at Oracle and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Um, at that point, the, the Lakers were already speeding, I think, towards a victory. So all of us were a little bit pissy. Um, and it's a miracle I could hear anything because the decade thing had already happened. Uh, and I had, like, really retreated into myself. So, you know, it is what it is. Just coming, thinking of the comeback still. Like, oh, I wish I would have said this. No, it turns out, no. I, I'm, it's been a week. Did you hear me give you a comeback? I don't have any comebacks. That guy just defeated me, man. I mean, it, it is what it is. If I ever see him again, I'm going to be afraid of him. Like, it just sucks. You should have just told him it's all fun and logic until we sign Anthony Davis next offseason. <laughs> then we'll see how you feel about 
about that. I hate that you've already come up decade. with everything. Cut this. You cut what he just said. I do not need somebody coming up with some kind of stupid comeback that quickly. Uh, Let's shift this as fast as I can, um, because I know, Maxine, that you have an off-the-court report that might be even more pertinent than the one I just dropped. You saw Steve Kerr, no? I did, yeah. I got to see him for a taping of City Arts and Lectures a couple weeks back. Uh, Alexis, Oh, yeah, it was real classy. To the point, actually, that... You know, the types of people that they get in are like politicians and authors, and it's not that Steve Kerr can't roll with those type of people. In fact, he very much can, to the point that I was expecting him to be a little bit more highfalutin. It was basketball talk. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he was interviewed by this guy, Alexis Madrigal, um, who writes for The Atlantic. And so again, not a sports writer, but clearly a Warriors fan. Yeah. And so they went through they went through the whole history, Kerr's history, the team's history. It was really amazing. What's the crowd? Was it hoop fans? It was, was it? hoop fans. Yeah. So every time he brought up a name, with one exception of any past or present Warriors player, like people were cheering, and and Kurt would get involved. He's like, oh, we got Iggy fans in the house. Oh, we got Clay fans in the house. And so it was this great atmosphere of, uh, of this coming together, especially, right? you know, he was like, oh, I did this a couple of years ago, and, like, the Warriors were doing great. I was expecting cheers then, but, like, this is another level. Wait, I know the let, answer. Let Bram and I guess. Oh, you know, know the answer. I know the answer. I was going to okay. ask you. What, who's your guess? Ooh, that would not get cheers. Not a sick crickets. Cohan era. I mean, I'll give you a couple of hints here. Cohan era, reputation being a gigantic bitch. When Mike Dunleavy. Hey! Yay! <laughs> I felt pretty good about that clue set. Did they ask her any questions about the true definition of the word decade? <laughs> you know, they didn't, but I actually, if I had 2020 future site or whatever, I might have done that because it was right after we taped the pod where we talked about whether or not we might do the 3-2-1 buzzer beater shot. Yeah. And so there's a moment, so there's an hour where... Uh, where Alexis Madrigal and Steve Kerr are just having a conversation on stage. And then they turn up the lights and the crowd like sticks their hands up and somebody walks around with a microphone and you get all sorts of opportunities to ask questions. And I had my hand up. I'm like, yo, like we got to get this sound for the pod. I need to know whether or not Kerr pretends that he's taking buzzer beaters. <laughs> would you have done the press conference move, uh, Maxine Warriors huddle and then ask the question? Absolutely. Uh, yes, you would have. <laughs> that's, that's nice. <laughs> nice. That brings up a great question for me. We had, so one of the, it was maybe the second question of the night. It's a woman in the balcony. Uh, she gets up and she first she's like, "Hi, thank you so much for your time." Right, and then like like pause it's to the point detail. where Alexis Madrigal looks up at her and says, "Okay, we're all waiting." Oh wow, <laughs> which was like rough. And then she goes on to um, uh, put together a uh, pretty in depth analysis of what sportsmanship means worldwide. Was she checking notes or something? Why did she I pause mean, in between? Okay, I, if she was take, checking notes, like they were illegible because my God, this thing was rambling and incoherent. This is a highfalutin event. Don't forget, Bram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to use that phrase, but I wasn't sure how to. <laughs> I think you used it right, but I don't know. <laughs> that was the definition of a highfalutin uh, conversation. And the reason I bring this up, so eventually she, she's about, she, there were like three or four opportunities for her to stop and say, okay, that's my question. To the point where Madrigal actually said, okay, so what I think she's asking, and she stops him and says, no, no, that's not what I'm asking. I want your definition of sportsmanship after she'd already given hers. So anyways, it was very clear that she just wanted an opportunity for Kerr to listen to her, right? <laughs> and I'm wondering, should I have done that too? 
Yeah. Right? How? You mean like if they didn't call on you, you just stood up and started talking for a yeah. while? Just and just said, Maxime, Warriors Huddle, and then just paused. <laughs> if that's your question, then resounding, yes. A thousand times yes, and I'm very pissed off that you were unable to make that happen. All right, noted. Yeah, next time in four years, I'll go back and yeah. I'll make sure that he knows. Any insights? Did he tell you anything? Is, is, uh, is he telling that, you know, Kerr is secretly staying for another 10 years? Did he give you some kind of rumor or something that we can give our audience that nobody else knows? No, make, well, You can the, make something up if you want the, to. The, the they, only they one that, so I knew ahead of time that um, Steph was not going to come back last weekend. Um, Kerr kind of casually dropped that, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting, especially because media outlets were still reporting the next couple of days that he was going to come What day back. did you know that? Uh, Wednesday. Oh, I really could have used that information because I think I spent most of Thursday tweeting out how excited I was that Steph is coming back Sunday. <laughs> oh, so yeah. way to hurt the show, man. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> hurt or help. Yeah. This is setting up a great dynamic where I get to make fun of you. No, no, I picked my phrase very carefully. <laughs> hurt for sure. I know the difference between those two. Absolutely, gentlemen. Let's turn our attention to some predictions. Last week, we fielded predictions from Wes. Uh, Maxime and I participated a little bit. This week, I want to focus on some three-man predictions. And next week, we're going to bring back in perhaps our prediction champion, Bonte, and maybe his co-host uh, to see nice. what they think is going to happen with the Warriors' future and kind of finish out this prediction sprint. Here's my first question for you boys. Next year, who averages more points per game? Steph or Kevin Durant. For point of reference, during the 2019 year, 2018-2019, Steph averaged 27.3. Durant averaged 26. So close, but Steph uh, Steph was in the lead. I'll go first because it's an opportunity for me to be bitter. Steph, 100%. Steph, um, I am yep. of the opinion that we're going to watch MVP Steph come back. I think that one of the things that's as impressive as Steph's skill set was his ability and willingness to take steps back over these last few years, that even though everyone was giving him crap about not winning a finals MVP, he was still willing to give up a lot of those looks. It wasn't because his skill set wasn't there. It was just because he changed his mentality. And with the return of the mentality will come the 27 points per game. So it's Steph for me. Yeah, I agree. I think it's Steph um, for those reasons you laid out. And I'll add on that an Achilles injury for somebody as big as Kevin Durant is, is just tough. So, um, you know, even in the successful cases, like you see Wesley Matthews playing really well for, for Milwaukee, it still takes at least probably two years to get back to that level. And with Steph just coming off of a broken hand, I think he gets back up into the 25, 26, 27 range pretty quickly. And I think Durant needs another year or so to, feel comfortable again and he's probably not going to be him same self like he's not going to be as explosive getting to those spots he's still seven feet and can shoot it but um yeah i think steph in a landslide it's also super hard or it will be super hard for kd to put up 25 a game with both hands around Kyrie's neck you know i mean like i don't know how the hell he's gonna get those shots up so it'll be interesting damn it that's exactly what i was gonna talk about i was say like, two words Kyrie irving that's why this isn't gonna go well that's gonna be an implosion yeah. If Draymond Green could go back in time, would he still call KD a bitch? Give yeah. me a real answer. Yes. You think for sure? Oh yeah. I didn't even say that. Even I feel like year, it's so probable. Even that he might this have said year, it. just to I mean, I, I so if we had stopped, they they lose the finals last year and they go to Draymond right then 
and they offer him a time machine and they say, okay, right now, would you like to go back and, and you know, take away your bitch? I think the answer to that is no. I think that he would still be um, positive that the dynasty was coming back. We didn't know that Steph was going to get hurt. We, you know, that we, the trajectory of the franchise was in one place then, and I agree with you. I think Draymond would have too much pride. But I'm talking about now. All right, he's played with this group of dudes for 13, 14 wins now. He is purposely getting thrown out of games. I mean, he's experienced kind of what it means to have lost KD. So in this setting, right now, they go back to him. They hand him a time machine. It brings him right back to that sideline in Staples Center. He can stop himself from saying it. You guys say he does or does not stop himself from saying it. Is it a hot tub time machine? No. No, it is not no. a hot tub time machine. And I refuse to even consider uh. hot tub time machine. The only time machine that is used here is a phone booth time machine from Bill and Ted because it is the only respectable one and you need to start accepting That's a great that. time machine. Um, I think 100% he does. I think... 100% he, he does what? He does go back and, and decide not... Yeah, he, wow. he changes his words. And I think he even goes back further and says, if I'm in here, I'm going to go back and I'm going to pass him the ball. Because I think he knows which is what started the which is what fight. started it, and I think he knows he should have passed the ball at that moment, but he didn't, and his overreaction kind of, you know, was the the straw that kind of broke the back for for this dynasty. But um, I think he, I think what he's gone through this season would absolutely make him regret it, and he's smart enough to feel like he doesn't need his pride over I think Dray- more championships. Draymond's two different people. Right or or presents two different skill sets. One is fiery passion, unbelievable fiery passion that occasionally leads to him kicking people in the balls. I mean, you know, very literally thinking second, acting first, and funneling the kind of anger that comes with that kind of passion. Two, unbelievable basketball IQ that he has weaponized for wins. And what has made him as valuable to the Warriors as he is is that when push comes to shove, the fiery passion versus the IQ that means wins. More often than not, it's the IQ that means wins, that wins out. Not every time, not every time, but, you know, more often than not. And I would hope that in this circumstance, that's the analogous, right? The the fiery competitor in him wants to say, hell yeah, I'll go back and tell him that because he is a bitch, you know? But the basketball IQ in him also knows how unbelievably good that team was, right. you know? And so if what it would require for a ongoing dynasty with Durant is literally just for him to go back and be like, okay, I bash on the ball and I don't say it. I think he would. I, and I, that's a compliment, I think. Mm. So have we talked you out of it? Are you full circle? Let's go back to where we started. What, what's your answer? Yeah, I sort of have come full circle. Um, or maybe not. I don't know what that means. Does that mean that I'm back to what I originally thought or that I've changed my mind? I've changed my mind. There you I go. don't really care. Yeah, yeah, 180. Okay. 180. <laughs> Here's the deal. That... I see this as a pivot point. And to me, the question was, if we could go back in time and affect Kevin Durant's mood so that he doesn't leave the team in the offseason, um, I feel like originally what I was thinking is, yeah, but he was such a pain in the ass for the rest of the season that I don't, like, Draymond knows that his legacy is secured. He knows that the team got 73 wins. This team is, like, historically dominant, and they got that. Draymond also probably doesn't want to have a shitty workplace environment. Yeah. But... The reason that I think that I've now changed my mind is that he kind of affected that work environment. And maybe if he hadn't called him a bitch, they would have worked out their (laughs) stuff and it would have been a more pleasant rest of the season. So, yeah, I think he would probably do it. I think another interesting thing is like you'll see on chat boards like people will say, 
KD leaving the Warriors was the best thing for the league because there's so much more parity now. There's so many more teams that can win it. And, I mean, in a vacuum, if if KD doesn't leave and just assuming every other piece falls the way it did in free agency, that would have never happened. He was the first domino, and, you know, it creates a ripple effect. So, um, admittedly, that's not how it would have played out. But as of right now, that parity is in the league, and Kevin Durant still isn't playing. So mm-hmm. if you put him, if he didn't leave the Warriors, he, he wouldn't have been magically playing. He still would have been recovering from an Achilles tear. So... You know, all the other players are still on the teams and the league has more parity. So I don't think it's like that moment shifted the NBA, but I think it really just shifted the Warriors. I think everybody else was already on this path of figuring out a way to play with it, you know, play with the Warriors style and figure out a way to combine forces. It just so happens that the Warriors lost the people that they combined with and everybody else was still going to do what they were going to do. There's a really weird sliding doors analysis that you're bringing up there. Right. Let's assume KD stays and all the injuries happen the way that they have. So Clay still goes out. Steph still gets hurt right in the beginning. And basically we're riding with this 13 win team with the idea that KD is coming back next year along with a top five pick. I mean, the, the big difference would be we don't have Wiggins. Who cares? Yeah. You know, when we got KD and we, would, we wouldn't have Minnesota's pick, but we wouldn't need it. Um, which would have caused, I would imagine, a lot of anger around the league if that's the juggernaut that was ultimately coming back. Exactly. What's interesting to me, so I I am at a place now, I'm not rooting against KD, but I no longer have to pretend like I hope his career goes really well um, now that he's moved on to Brooklyn. You know, like I never wish injury and hopefully things, generally speaking, work out. But we're out of that portion where all of us were pretending like, oh, this is great. We have no problem that Durant has left. You know, I'm like, is that true for you guys? Is there any bitterness you're willing to admit now? Yeah, I mean, I'm bitter. I I think to Joe Lacob's point earlier when he said he can't believe he made that decision. Um, you know, I agree. I, I, I'm bitter for the fact that we, we had a great setup for him. So I think the only reason he left was for personal reasons. And Mm -hmm. you know, that, that hurts and stings because we were personally invested in him and he personally said no. And then he always defends it with, these are basketball reasons. I just want to play hoop. And it's like, if that's true, then you just left the best situation to play hoop in. So what is it really? Um, But my bitterness is always tempered because, you know, he did take less money in order for us to keep, you know, Andre Godala and Sean Livingston that year. Um, And even though he was signing one and ones and that was causing turmoil, you know, it still was something he didn't have to do. So. What are you doing? I'm not, I'm not looking back <laughs> on decisions he made to help us. I'm only looking at the things he did to leave. The, I, I, I don't under, I, Maybe you're misunderstanding. When I use the phrase bitterness, I don't need you to tell me that I'm being ridiculous. I need you to tell me that you're also bitter and you immediately agree. I am. I am bitter and I don't want to see him win, but I also just don't forget that he made some sacrifices and, you know, the time was what am it was. Am I in a soundproof booth? Can you hear me now? I mean, I just begged you not to go back. And then you just jumped immediately back in it. What what I like about my place with KD, and this is a weird analogy, but that's what I specialize in. Um, I don't know if you guys ever do this, but every now and again, I'll screw up in my car, run a red light, um, you know, have my turn signal on and not take the turn, whatever, make some stupid mistake. Those and, are extremely different, bud. Yeah, well, it is what it is. Also, thanks for slowing down the analogy. I was just coping to have a follow-up question one second in. So whenever it is that I make that stupid traffic faux pas, 
there's a period of time, I don't know, five minutes where I'm uber careful so that all the people around me who saw me make that mistake now think I'm a good driver. I'm stopping for, you know, five seconds on every stoplight, like going out of my way. And then after enough time passes, I go back to my shady driving ways. The analogy is that's kind of what's happened with the Warriors in this last finals. When we first lost, when Katie first uh, bounced, there was this period of like forced class no asterisks, Toronto deserved it. Thank you for being here, KD. Go do anything you want. And now we've gone just far enough. Well, we're not really worried about how we're being seen. And at least for me, that pretense is out the goddamn window. <laughs> asterisks, absolutely. Our whole team was hurt. F Toronto. And KD, I know what I just said. I take it back. I'm rooting for his lack of success. Yeah, I mean, yeah that, that just is what it is. Don't give me a third. Would you have kept him out of that video? No. No? Um... Well, which, the video being the warrior, the video that the Warriors played, looking back on the championship run for. If the only person who was ever going to watch it was Kevin Durant, yes. <laughs> but if if people everywhere and perspective free agents were also going to see just how bitter I secretly am, no, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't want that. Experience. I mean, it's like, thank you, Oracle, for all these great memories, and not one of them is is KD, and it is like, ooh. <laughs> That's rough. That's so bitter. <laughs> I've got I've got both a pair of KD shoes and a KD Warriors jersey. Um, so like you know, obviously I was invested emotionally, but I literally also invested in him on the Warriors, yeah. and I like I can't wear those in public right now. No, of course um, not. So yeah, I'm bitter, right? And I'm I'm pretty emotional about it, but I'm also not like burning them or or throwing them away because ultimately he's a part of a legacy of something that was really amazing and i know like five to ten years i'm going to be able to rep that jersey at the chase center and people are going to be like yo that's pretty tight so i you know yes we need to get through our emotions but like ultimately the thing that makes me the saddest is that like i don't think he's going to find what he's looking for and i wish he would have stayed here because he was more likely to find salvation or whatever in this environment so when you taped the word in front of Durant on the back of your jersey. <laughs> that had nothing to do with bitterness. I was just like creative. Talent. Right, and that's why I use masking tape and not duct tape. Yeah. You know, the impermanence. Also, KD, if you're listening, come meditate with me. <laughs> Marcus, you've got a great over-under on off-season meetings. Let's do that one. Uh, over-under. So, predictions. Um, Anthony Davis is a free agent. He's probably going to be meeting with uh, teams this season. Probably Chicago Bulls, definitely the Lakers. I think he'll meet with the Warriors. Over under on Anthony Davis meeting with at least three teams and one being the Warriors. I'll take the under. Um, I'll take a push. I think that the the Lakers will obviously get a meeting. Um, I think the Warriors will because they've put themselves in that stratosphere. Also, let me say that I think he ends up in the Lakers. I don't think he's going anywhere at all. And then I think Chicago rounds it out principally because he has already said he would. I'm not sure he would. Uh, I don't know if that's even really a priority. I don't think Chicago's an actual destination. I don't think he's leaving Los Angeles, but I do think he'll hit all three. You don't think he would entertain a Boston meeting? Do they have money? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I mean, no. they have to max no. out Tatum, right? So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm, I, yeah, largely I agree, but just to play devil's advocate, maybe it's the over because he heard about that sweet helicopter ride that D'Angelo Russell got when he took the Minnesota meeting and he's like, hey, T-Wolves, like, what's good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> um, will Draymond try to be thrown out of another game this year? 
And so, well, here, let's set it up and make sure that we all agree. During that Laker game, Draymond threw a temper tantrum. Um, and throughout that temper tantrum, as Charles Barkley put it, it seemed like he was trying to get thrown out. Wait, no, no, man. He talks all that stuff when he got them other boys with him. Well, Unless boy. he got to get out there and fight for himself, he just don't want to play. Let me a break. <laughs> that was my perception. Do you guys agree? In that Laker game, was he trying to get the hell off the floor? He wasn't not trying. <laughs> well, I mean, like, was his goal to get thrown out, or was he just, you know, expressing his dissatisfaction? I think he was just in emotional Draymond mode, and he yeah. knew he would get thrown out, but he wasn't trying to. He just, but he knew it would happen if he kept going, and he kept going on yeah, purpose. Yeah, I feel like he had legitimate grievances. They were probably slightly overblown, but I think he, you know, he had a right to be annoyed. I'd like to watch the clip again. I feel like there's an eight to ten second pause between his first tantrum and the second. If that's what happened, if there was a pause, 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 oh, hell no moment, he was trying to get thrown out. You know, like that wasn't momentum. That was, oh, I'm done. <laughs> this is and, not going to go that way. And well. LeBron called it too, right? I mean, he was yes. laughing behind Troy Daniels' back like, watch, he's going to get Watch, watch, watch. Like basically saying like he's not done. He's, he's going to flip, flip out right now. Will it happen again? Now that Steph's back. Right? I mean, so does the trajectory and the feel of this team change now that their MVP and the face of the franchise is here? So I had Draymond on my fantasy team uh, up until this weekend, and I dropped him because I'm like, I can't, I can't hang with this anymore. And then as soon as I dropped him and was looking at him on waivers, I thought to myself, F- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would be picking him up if I was in your leagues. <laughs> um. I think he does, but I think it only happens one more time because I think he's at he's like two away from a suspension, right? Yeah. So I think he he pushes it to the limit and then he just stops and backs out and and controls himself for the rest of the season. So I think he has a solid two more in him. If they're in the same game, I don't know. I mean, they would if he's going to get thrown out, but um, yeah, I think he's got two more in him. Give me your ten day contract. Yeah. So um, right now. We have signed a total of six players to 10-day contracts. Michael Mulder, Dragon Bender, uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson, who's now converted into an actual contract, um, Jeremy Pargo, Zach Norvell, and Chasson Randall. So the question is... How have we not won the title this year? I can't believe it. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't even sound like a G League roster. Isn't that, that incredible? That sounds like a high school team. Marquise Chris was never on a 10-day? I guess he was... Oh, yeah. Did I miss Chris? No, I think you're right. I think he was first Even on a so there you go, seven. Seven. Boom. That's like that's like half of an NBA team right there. That is pretty epic. I so I, I do think that's the record, but regardless, the question is how many more ten day contracts <laughs> do the Warriors sign before the end of the season? How many more days are left in the season? <laughs> Divide that by ten. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a pretty straightforward analysis. They seem to be I read somewhere there's a CBA agreement that says you have to have this amount of people on the team. And so they're just using these ten day contracts to make sure that they're in compliance with the CBA without actually locking themselves into anybody. Uh, that may put them close to the repeater tax or anything else. Um, so how many more actually? I don't know, but I guarantee at least three more people we've yep. never heard of at any point ever. <laughs> I mean, I like, so obviously these guys are all much better than I am in basketball. I could never sniff an NBA court. When I saw Motor, I had no idea who the hell that guy was. Just none. <laughs> I've watched him play in three games. I still have no idea who the hell that guy is. Where did he come from? Yeah. 
When he passed it to Bender on one of the plays, I was like, what team are we watching right now? Yes. I thought well, I watched the Warriors game. Well, I can answer that. You were watching the YMCA intramural team <laughs> that is not favored to get out of the first round in the YMCA playoffs. But that is what it is. Gentlemen, will Pascal average more points or minutes next season? Mm. Wow. Minutes. It's kind of a complicated question. Why? Because I think he... He'll be fighting like Loon will hopefully be healthy again. I think we try to sign somebody with our mid-level and our cap space next year for that same position, the 3-4. And I think his he's earned minutes. I think he gets around 20 minutes a game, but I, I don't think he can score that much. There's not enough shots. We'd rather give him to Clay and Steph and, and Wiggins. So I think he averages between 12 and 14, but he plays a little bit under 20. I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm going to say points over minutes. Here's why I think it's optimism. If he is exactly who we'd want him to be, he's going to be a spark off the bench and a bully. Mm-hmm. you know. And so like, he gives us, I am, 10 minutes, 11 minutes, because everyone else is going really well. And in those 10 to 11 minutes, he can put up 12 to 15. I, mean, I don't know if it will happen, but that's what I'm hoping for. So I will speak it into existence. Nice. Yeah, he's averaging 13.8 right now, um, which is... Amazing, just to say it. You knew that, and you didn't know that Marquise Chris was on a 10-day goddamn contract? <laughs> Pascal's my dude, man. I'm pretty excited. Any, any case, uh, I, you know, I, there are some fit questions, especially when we get into more of like a assist-heavy offense. Uh, I don't know that, that he's going to be able to get big minutes. Um, I would love to see him average something like 14 again next season, but I'm not convinced. Sure. So maybe like push at 11? Yep. Over under how far the Warriors go next year, second round. Over. Over. Push. Um, you think they lose in the second round? Mm-hmm. I think they make it to the second round, and then I think that's where they hit their limitations, and then they use that to springboard to the 2021 championship that I predicted last week. Here's a um, an interesting one. So I'm going to give you boys the top six in NBA jersey sales as they stand right now. Once I give you those names, I then want you to give me three answers. I want you to tell me who is going to win the next title, who is going to win the most titles over the next five, and who will never win another title. Here's your six names. LeBron James, Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, James Harden, Luka Doncic. Wow, no Michael Mulder, huh? Uh, surprisingly, no. Huh. I think he's seven. Okay, um, but I had to cut it off at six, so sure. yeah, it is what it is. And they couldn't make that many YMCA jerseys, so I think it was hard <laughs> to sell the amount that you need to get top seven. <laughs> to give you uh, gentlemen a minute to think, because I've already had a chance to go through this, I answer, the first one kills me, LeBron. Um, I think that the Lakers are going to win the next title. Over the next five, I think Steph is going to win the most. And who huh. will never win a title? James Harden. This is hard because I picked Houston to win the title this year, so I would have to say Harden you to, by to stick by that. Wow. <sighs> but that was before they traded Capella and decided to go P.J. Tucker at the five. Matty Stassi's um, listening. You can hedge. I think, I'm, I think I'm going with you. I think the Lakers win it this year, so I'm going to go – um, LeBron, I think most championships over the next five years, I'm going to go Giannis and never wins one. 
uh, Luca. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I think Cuban does a great job of making him stay in Dallas, but Dallas caught lightning in a bottle when they won with Dirk that one year, and I don't think that they would do it again. Dude, you can make a lot of money. If there's a bet out there, I mean, I don't know if there would be, but if yeah. someone be willing to take that bet, I bet you can get pretty amazing odds that Doncic is never going to walk away with a ring. Mm-hmm. And does part of that calculation mean that you don't think that he's going to move on from Dallas? Like, do you think he's a lifer? I think Cuban does a good job of doing that, like he uh-huh. did with Dirk, and I could just see him rolling out whatever needs to be rolled out to keep Luca in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, especially because, I mean, the chemistry between him and Porzingis is starting to get pretty decent, but yeah. that's a nice call. Um, so I never formally made a prediction as to who wins this year. I just said they're coming out of the East and, uh, I'm going to double down on that. I do in fact think that Giannis pulls off the win over the Lakers this year. Um, he's just so dominant. Um, and you know, LeBron is getting a little bit older and I think there's, there's going to be a moment where that comes back to bite him. And I know people seem to be saying that every year for the past three years, but there it is. So I also think that it's Giannis in the next five years. And, uh, you know, maybe that's uh, one more than Steph because he's also on the Warriors. Who knows? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Who never wins one? Uh, Jason Tatum. Mm. I don't don't see the Celtics having enough um, moves short of Anthony Davis joining them to actually create a core that can push for title. Not to mention, I mean, these young guys are really talented, but there is something to be said for uh, the pedigree of having been there before. And, you know, these guys just haven't. It's just such a petty as f- question. It's such like just an <laughs> F you. Because who could possibly know? Who knows what teams are going to play for? What's going down? It really, I put it out there just so I could say James Harden's never going to win a title. <laughs> I forgot that you had picked Houston. It's so much more satisfying it's to me so that I can not only get to tell you that and then watch you back off your James Harden thing. This has been great for me. <laughs> uh, I, we've got a series of other predictions, but I'm going to keep them in pocket because, like I said, we're going to finish out this three-part sprint next week with a couple of other guests so instead push us in a different direction big man you got to look around the league for us i do look around the league so in the look around the league the concept is simple marcus has done a little bit of research for us he has pulled three stories from around the nba that caught his eye he's going to tell us about all three and then we will vote on which of those three we want to talk about empty all right story number one Tim Duncan got his first win as the acting head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Aside from his new hairstyle, it was a pretty good look for him. Um, We can talk about that and include in there which former warrior. Hairstyle or the win? (laughs) Both. Uh, We can also include which former warrior that is not playing right now, so you can't go to Iggy. uh, Would you want to be our head coach for a game? Uh, Didn't we do that? Didn't the Warriors do that for her like during the regular season last year? Didn't they let active players basically coach the game? They did against yeah. Phoenix. And yeah. Phoenix didn't like it at all. Um, topic number two: ESPN released the top twenty-five players under twenty-five years old. Huh. Um, had some good names on there. I'll read them off in a second. Not a single Warrior was on there, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, Mulder. <laughs> so I'll read some of the names that were on there: uh, Luca, Doncic, uh, Zion. Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons, Carl Anthony Towns, Donovan Mitchell, John Morant, Trey Young, Brandon Ingram, Devin Booker, um, Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, D'Angelo Russell, De'Aaron Fox, Zach Levine, Jaron Jackson, DeAndre Ayton, Jamal Murray, Chris Stops, Porzingis, Jonathan Isaac, 
Sabonis, Michael Porter Jr., John Collins, wow. and Lonzo Ball. Did you say you're going to read a few of those names? Yeah. Or, every or all of them. them. Yeah, all of and them. Shy Gilligas and Alexander. Would That's you for you, Bram. Again? <laughs> so, of all those players, um, if you could pick one just to join the Warriors roster next year when everybody's healthy, no trades needed, they just come right on the Warriors, who would it be of the top 25 or okay. 25? And third and last, James Dolan, our owner and our boy of the New York Knicks, recently got into it with Spike Lee, super fan Spike Lee. If you're not familiar, he's at every single Knicks game. He's been doing it for 28 plus years and told Spike he had to use a different entrance, which isn't really a big deal, but it caused a lot of issues. And um, I think between Spike Lee and Oakley, I think the question has to be asked, is James Dolan the worst owner in all of sports? Yes, yeah. Um, what speaks to, I, I love all three of these questions. Those are great stories. I like the idea of who should coach for the war. I like being able to bring in a sub 25 superstar, but I tell you what, that list made me hell of depressed. The idea mm-hmm. that there are no warriors on it and like what that means for three, four or five years from now, I want to avoid that question like the plague or like <laughs> coronavirus. Uh, I'd like to go uh, away from that one. I could read the list again if you want. I would. Do we no. have another 45 minutes? I, I'm not sure if we have time to go all the way through that. Uh, what was the third one again? Uh, James Dolan. He's yeah, the worst right. owner. Um, I would go the James Dolan one because what I would like to discuss is whether or not they should have allowed Spike to just use that entrance and, and dig into it. And anytime we can shit house Dolan, I'm in. So my vote is Dolan. Who are you guys voting? Yeah, yeah. Let's Let's chat about Dolan. Yeah, boom. <laughs> there we go. Um, so let's set up, if, if you weren't following, the, the thing kind of unraveled on social media. The first clip was tape of what it looked like Spike Lee being refused access to the garden entirely. Um, and in fact, here's that tape. But no one told me. No one told me. No one told me. I'm staying here. Now, you want to arrest me like Charles Oldham? Go after that, a picture surfaces showing Spike Lee sitting courtside of that exact game. So now the story comes up, well, what the hell was he fighting about? What's going on here? And it turns out what was going on was that Spike wanted to be allowed in through the disabled patron slash employee entrance to the garden, the entrance he's been using for 30 years. The Knicks wanted to stop that. They give him crap about it. They have that interaction and then ultimately he comes in. And what's now made it a real story is that after that, the Knicks came out with a press release and they said that uh, Spike Lee painting himself as a victim is quote unquote laughable. And yeah. they took all these shots and they referred to, to Dolan as Jim. I mean, it looked like a text, not wow. a press release, right. right? So start from that jump, that, that first part. I will say that the Knicks don't have anything relevant right now. When we think of them, there's not a player that comes to mind. The closest representative they have in the NBA is Spike Lee. It's a weird thing to say, but it's a true thing to say. If Spike wanted to be dropped off via helicopter every game, if he wanted to come in through the skylight in a parachute, then they need to provide him the parachute and build the skylight. Right. What do they give a shit? 
about how he gets in there. Right. You know, I mean, how could you have possibly decided to, to start that fight? And once the fight comes out, if you're going to go public, you just apologize. Yeah. What do you, why would you want to draw a line between you and your biggest fan? So to me, this story is just another illustration of why they're a joke. They just don't know how to handle anything, including what happens behind their own doors. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, you see how other franchises handle just bad situations like Oklahoma City loses you know uh, KD and uh, Paul George and Westbrook and in every press conference the owner and Paul and Sam Presti are like those guys were amazing they're ambassadors we would love to have them back but thank you for your time when knowing as soon as the mics go off they're like F all three of those guys but you don't say that like you spin it around would Joe Lacob ever tell E40 that he can't come in, you know, whatever entrance he wants. Like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, in the grand scheme of things, you want to be a place that's inclusive and welcoming to the basketball culture and your fans. And as soon as you do that to a super fan like Spike Lee, it just reinforces why people and players don't want to go there. Absolutely. The Warriors lost to, let's bring back in what we've been talking about, although we've said far too much about Durant, but the Warriors lose maybe the most gifted scorer of all time. And face forward, they say, we're retiring his jersey. Yeah. Thank you for everything. Probably face back, they're saying all the bitter crap that we were just talking about. But face <laughs> forward, you say what you mean to say. In this circumstance, they got to control the story, right? Before Spike went on first take, which he did, but they were allowed to tell the story any way they wanted. Face forward, all you know, there was a disagreement behind the scenes, but all we have is love and respect for Mr. Lee, and we hope he is here every single game. Period. That's it, dude. Say anything you want when the mics are off. When the mic is on, what are you doing? (laughs) Exactly. It's rough. There was a, I can't, you know, Dolan basically at the drop of a hat will force his front office to go out and give an impromptu press conference, which is the last thing that you should do when things are chaotic. I feel like there's got to be countless examples of dictators losing hold on their subjects and then just starting to like kill people around them to make sure that it doesn't look like it's their responsibility. It feels like this is Dolan's last gasp of an attempt to hang on to some form of Madison Square Garden. And it is it is getting uglier and uglier. And you gotta, I mean, you, all of that happens. The Knicks have been terrible for who knows how long. They haven't made the playoffs since, what, 2013? And they're still the number one value right. franchise. Mm-hmm. $4.6 billion. More than the Lakers, more than the Warriors, more than the Bulls, more than the Celtics. Like, it's crazy that you could run a brand that poorly and still be the most valuable. So it just goes to show, like, what if they were run well? Like, yeah. That valuation baffles me. I mean, I guess it has more to do with the East Coast and what that means to have a market like New York. Right. Because the thing that really got underlined by this latest gaffe was they have no idea that their perception of who they are does not match reality at all. For the last five years, I mean, longer than that, since Amari Stoudemire, um, that was the last free agent that picked to go there. New York keeps banking on the idea that free agents just want to come and play with us because we are the New York Knicks. And in between that, they do everything they possibly can facing forward to establish a burger brand that will make the wrong decision 
every time. Right. And so those two things don't match. You know, if, if what you would like is this brand to speak for itself, then stop speaking for the brand. <laughs> right. You know, stop doing stupid things. Just allow the logo to do the talking. Exactly. If, if you would like to be the person who is speaking on behalf of the brand, then have your words matter. Have them be intelligent. You can't have both of these two things. Mm-hmm. You know, the way they are doing this is counterintuitive. Um, and to say that the Knicks are goddamn awful is not breaking news, <laughs> but it's still kind of fun to say. You know? yeah. um, and Dolan will forever remain my favorite owner because uh, he actually makes Chris Cohan look somewhat competent. So, hey, <laughs> there's an upside to it. Um, one final announcement, one I'm really excited for. Next Friday, Friday the 13th, we're going to have a Kick It session with our Patreon supporters. Um, and so if you are already a supporter, thank you so much. If you have any interest and you've not been following along on the Slack channel, shoot us an email, warriorsettle.gmail.com. I'll get you the details and we'll make sure we're there. If you are not a Patreon supporter but you have any interest, you might want to come and kick it with us. Joining the Patreon team is crazy easy. All you have to do is hop up on Patreon.com, look at Warriors Huddle, and uh, you can help us for as little as like a dollar a month. Uh, And we will be awkward in how much we are appreciative for that. With that in mind, go Warriors, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. Good, good.